Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to discuss diabetes awareness with Minneapolis VA, check in with the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network, and talk to the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. November is a month of the military family, a time for us to recognize and celebrate military families for everything they do. Military families know what it means to sacrifice. They stand by and support us through drill weekends, annual training, and long deployments. We are able to conduct missions with the highest level of professionalism because of their love and commitment to us. Our families truly understand what it means to serve this nation. To support military families during the month of the military family and beyond, visit Beyond the Yellow Ribbon online. Finally, to Minnesota's military families, on behalf of the soldiers and airmen of the Minnesota National Guard, thank you. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. So I said at the opening, we're going to talk about diabetes awareness. And joining me now is Amy Stanwood, a nurse practitioner from the Minneapolis VA Medical Center. Uh, she's been uh, working in endocrine for almost 20 years. And Amy, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. So I, I understand uh, you've been working in this general field, endocrine, for 20 years. Can you tell us yes. what what does that mean? In medical, there's all kinds of terms that most of us civilians really don't understand. Sure, sure. So endocrine is the study of glandular disorders. And so the pancreas is a big gland, and it makes insulin. So that's why it falls under endocrinology, okay. if that makes sense. So <laughs> it makes sense to me. That's a good start. <laughs> How did you, you I, how did you get into this? You must have made a decision that you wanted to be a nurse or a nurse practitioner. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to, to be school. a nurse. Absolutely, I wanted to be a nurse, and I was an emergency nurse for um, a few years, and then I got a job in endocrinology, and um, and sort of spent the rest of my time there. Just happened to fall into it, and ended up loving it. So I was in the private sector for about seven years, and then I came to the VA in 2010. And that was out in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, I started in Denver, and then I moved to Minnesota in 2017. And you told us off the air that when you moved to the VA, you liked it. What, what did you like about it so much? You know, I didn't know if I was a VA person, but when I got to the VA, I really, you know, because everybody says you're going to take care of a bunch of men. Are you sure you want to do that? And and what I what you learn quickly is that there is a large percentage of women in the military as well, and, and that require VA care. Um, and I, I just think the veteran population is in, you really can benefit from our help and our um, support. So I feel like veterans don't go to get care when they need it as often. So when you see them in clinic, they tend to have, bit, you know, their diabetes tends to be a little bit more challenging or their thyroid disorders are a little worse or, you know, they tend to wait too long. And so by taking care of veterans, I feel like I'm really helping educate and take care of a, a great group of people. I also like the VA because it's an academic medical center. So you're, um, as a provider, I'm given, I'm involved in a lot of academic activities to, to make me a better clinician. And we've talked about that on this show quite a bit over the last decade or so. The fact that uh, the, the Minneapolis VA healthcare system has been working with the, with the uh, University of Minnesota ever since World War II and helping train nurses and doctors and, and so forth. And those young doctors and nurses get to come out to the VA, and all of a sudden they've got lots of patients yes. so they can learn their, their, their craft quickly. Yes, yes. It's a great environment for learning. You see things you don't see in the private sector. 
And a lot of it. A lot of it, for sure. So we want to talk about diabetes today, and, and it's a it's a big topic. It's a topic that's important to me. I'm a Vietnam veteran. I served on the ground in Vietnam. We had Agent Orange there, and it's one of the presumptive diseases yes. uh, is type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. So I assume you, that's the primary type of diabetes that, that you're working that we with see. at the VA? Yeah, we see type 1 and type 2, but most of our patients are type 2. Explain the difference between those. Yeah, so type 1 diabetes is typically autoimmune, which means the pancreas, which is the organ that makes insulin, um, which insulin is needed to lower your blood sugars. So in type 1 diabetes, the, the pancreas just fails for unclear reasons. In type 2 diabetes, the pancreas works but the the blood sugar that's in the in the bloodstream has a hard time getting into the cell, and so um, insulin is needed to get it into the cell. And sometimes there's just a resistance problem there. It's usually there's usually some sort of under, underlying genetic basis, and an environmental trigger could bring it out, um, which could be like the Agent Orange and presumptive diagnosis that you have. We're speaking with Amy Stanwood, nurse practitioner from the Minneapolis VA on Minnesota Military Radio. So when we're talking about type 1 and type 2, when I think of type 1, I think of childhood diabetics, mm-hmm. uh, and they take multiple shots right. every day, and they're always checking it and trying to balance it. And it's something you can live with if it's managed properly. Right, right. And what's interesting about the VA is we shouldn't see a lot of type 1s because if, if everybody got it in childhood, they probably wouldn't meet criteria to be in the military, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so type 1 isn't just kids. It's just that the majority of type 1 is in the younger population, and, and we still do see some later in life. It's just not as much. Once in a while you hear a story of a quarterback or somebody in professional football yeah. who has type 1, and they and they they're showing the rest of the nation that even though I have this problem, if I if I take care of it properly, I yes. can do normal things. Yes, absolutely. I remember there was a quarterback in Chicago, I think, that was on an insulin pump while he was playing. And he made it work. And he made it work. So that's, yeah. that's good news for anybody yes. with type 1. But type 2 is a little different. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, that's what I've got, but I'm guessing that if veterans haven't been taking care of themselves, maybe don't know they've got type 2 diabetes when they first come, Mm-hmm. You got to get it under control first. Yeah, you know, type type two diabetes or any diabetes is a is a disease where complications don't occur for many years. But the sooner you get your blood sugars under the con- under control, the more you're protected from the complications. And so, if you're having trouble with abnormal urination or increased thirst, meaning you urinate too often or go to the bathroom too often, if you're excessively thirsty, or if you're losing weight and you don't know why, sometimes those can be signs of high blood sugars and you should get checked. We also recommend if you have a family history of diabetes that you get checked as well because we've got amazing treatments. If if um, if lifestyle doesn't work, we've got amazing treatments that are very heart and kidney protective. And so Treat early, and you will protect yourself long-term and live a very normal life. And the opposite of that is if you don't follow the rules and you don't take care of it and it's out of control for a long period of time, you're going to start losing body parts. Your yeah. eyes might go bad. Your heart right. might go bad. This, this can kill you. Right. I always tell people having extra sugar in your blood is like having shards of glass going through your, your bloodstream, and it can damage anything it passes. So we don't want you to be left with high blood sugars for too long. So on the good news side, I've been treated for this for like 20 years and started with pills and diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. That worked for a while, and then that got out of control, and pretty soon I had to start taking insulin. 
Yeah. And and pretty scary when they say you're going to have to give yourself a shot every day. Right. It really isn't very scary. No, I tell it insulin is a hormone, so it's not even a medication. When you need insulin, it's because your pancreas can't make it anymore. So we're just giving you what your body would have given you anyway. There's such a stigma associated with insulin, but if you think about it like a hormone, that's something that your body needs. It's super easy to take and, you know, it can really help control your blood sugars. And so in my case, to monitor that, I check my blood sugar every morning. Really mm-hmm. easy to do. Yeah. And and then I take my insulin. Of course, I still take those pills. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I do things normally in the way I'm supposed to, most days my blood sugar readings come back just about where they want them to. Yeah. And I've had some chats with the doctors, and they said, you know, I can't eat much. First, I'm not that hungry, and and you're saying here's here's the dietitian, here's what you can eat, here's what you mm-hmm. can. But I said, you know, once in a while, I want to have a nice meal. Yeah. And he says, Sundays, go ahead and have, <laughs> yeah. ahead and have the roast beef and the potatoes and the gravy. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the week, stay on it. And I've been doing this for 20 years, and it's progressing. Mm-hmm. I have I have neuropathy. I have some nerve damage. I have some of those things, but. You know, I'm 71 years old now and in, in pretty good shape and, mm-hmm. and probably controlling my blood sugar better than people that don't even have uh, diabetes. Yeah, I mean, we are we have some new treatments available that are really amazing and they make um, they make diabetes a lot easier. So we have, you know, aside from insulin, we have newer um, medications in a in a class that really helps lower blood sugar. You only have to take it once a week. And so diabetes has come a long way. And we're going to talk about that some more when we come back. We have to take a short break. We're talking to Amy Stanwood, nurse practitioner from the Minneapolis VA and Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to Amy Stanwood, nurse practitioner from the Minneapolis VA, and she's an expert in endocrine medicine. And can you tell me again, the, what's that What's that word about? Um, endocrinology. It's the study of glandular disorders. So the pancreas is a big gland. Your thyroid's a gland. Your So those are things. Your pituitary is a gland. So we, we help manage all those disorders. So you do more than just diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Diabetes is what we're talking about today. And, and diabetes is just a, a function that the pancreas can't keep up, uh, produce enough insulin. And, and so then your blood sugars get high. And long-term, that can damage a lot of body parts. Yep, the high blood sugars for sure. So what kind of problems does that lead to if it's undiagnosed or if it's diagnosed and you're not trying to take care of it? So the the biggest thing is like um, is, is just the high blood sugars can cause damage to anything that, that they pass. So you've got vessels behind your eyes, and if the blood sugars are high, it can damage those vessels and cause leaks, and those leaks can cause blindness. So if we catch them early... Um, we can take care of them. Or if your blood sugars are lower, we can prevent them. Kidneys, same thing. We see kidney damage from high blood sugars. And so the um, the kidneys, re- you know, are what people regulate your urine. And so when we start to see kidney damage from diabetes, that's one of the complications. Um, heart disease is another one. And then foot problems. So if you have diabetes in the vessels, the blood flow to your legs and feet isn't good because the blood sugars have damaged your vessels, then you get a typical wound that any normal person would get, but yours doesn't heal because you have poor blood flow to the area. So feet are another area we worry about. In the long term, it can cause some nerve damage as well. Yeah. So when the blood sugars are high, it can irritate the nerves. And over time, those nerves then, they start with numbness and pain, and then over time, they can become kind of dead. It's interesting you mentioned eyes because Mm -hmm. 
when I was first diagnosed with high blood pressure, which many years ago, it was because they saw the blood vessels in the back of my eyes were, were popped. Yes. And, and, of course, checked the blood pressure, and we started working on that. Yeah. And then you said with the same thing with... With the, the, the diabetic eye disease we call retinopathy as an, as the earlier thing. So, yeah, you get these little bleeds, and then your body tries to heal them, but the vessels it makes aren't very good, so those bleed as well. It just can become a big snowball effect. Fascinating that the, that the eyes can tell that big, big of a story. Yeah, yeah. Now, preventing diabetes. Yes. I've heard this a hundred times. If I've probably heard it a thousand times. Diet, exercise, Ex- yes. attitude, all those things. Right. Is it just as big as they say? Yeah. I mean, type 1 is not something that can be prevented. That's not. That's typically autoimmune. Your body decides, decides it doesn't like your pancreas and starts destroying it. But in type 2, what we know is that if you gain a lot of weight, that even if you had an underlying predisposition to diabetes and gain weight, you can. Um, your diabetes will get worse. So we really encourage people who have diabetes and are overweight to try to get their weight down. And foods that don't spike your sugar, like carbohydrates, should be limited. But I'm not a. I'm not going to tell you never to have them because it's also your life, right? We got to enjoy some, but in moderation. Well, I know several times in the last twenty years I've met with your dietitian, and <laughs> they keep sending me back there, even though yes, we eat pretty much the right stuff all the time. Yeah, and and it is carbs is a big problem, right? People think it's sugar, but it's carbs. Well, it's mostly the the breads, the pastas, the rice, things like that, where your vegetables and fruits are okay. Fruits can still raise your blood sugar, but most people don't have poorly controlled diabetes because of fruit. So it's a matter of eating the right things and not overeating. Right. Because the even other if things. You eat the right things if you eat too much of it, you're going to Yeah. Problem. And really working keeping your weight down and moving, walking, yeah. anything. And I've been doing that for 40 years, and if I miss three or four days walking, I feel lousy. Good. <laughs> we want you to move. <laughs> I'll keep moving as much as I can. Uh, we're, once again, we're speaking with Amy Stanwood, a nurse practitioner from the Minneapolis VA, about diabetes. New treatments. There's, mm-hmm. You read in the newspapers all the time. They're, they're, they're discovering new drugs all over the place, and, and the, there's a drug called Ozempic. Yes. Uh, can you tell us what that is and... And what's going on? So the the class of medications has been out actually since 2005. So it's not necessarily a new class. It's just that Ozempic is one of the newer ones that tends to produce the most weight loss and the best diabetes control. And um, so whenever you have something that causes weight loss, people without diabetes want it too. So the, the so Ozempic is a great drug at helping people feel full. And so when people feel full, they don't eat as much, their blood sugars get better, and their weight goes down. And that's a once-a-week injection. It's a, it, it, yeah, there's different kinds, but Ozempic specifically is once a week. Some of them are twice a day, but those are the older versions. And I've been started on that as well. And over the year or so that I've been taking it, we've been able to bring down my dose of insulin yes. uh, substantially. And, and I have lost a few pounds. Well, losing weight will help with your insulin resistance. So sometimes when you carry extra weight, your insulin doesn't work as well. And so we get, when we get weight down, we get appetite down, you're not eating as much of those carbohydrates. We just see benefit in so many ways. And there's also been studies that show Ozempic is um, protective of your kidneys, that we're seeing um, less people develop go to, from, from kidney disease to dialysis. And we're also seeing some good heart benefits as well. I want to ask you about that insulin resistance because I've yeah. read about it and, and I've read a little about it. But in the summertime, I get out and I walk a lot more. Mm-hmm. And and we eat really well in the summertime because a lot of a lot of greens and salads and so forth. 
but it, it doesn't seem to matter. I, I, it's very difficult to lose weight. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think in general, insulin resistance means that your body's resistant. And so losing weight, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's typically about calorie reduction. And so I think, you know, the problem with some of these carbohydrates is that they spike your insulin more than like proteins do. So if you were to eat lean proteins like meat, and veggies, your blood sugar won't spike. So your insulin won't spike. Whereas if you eat rice, pasta, stuff like that, you're going to get more of an insulin spike and you're going to become more resistant. So an example that that I like to uh, tell our listeners about is marathon runners. You hear them carb loading. Yeah. They eat a big plate of spaghetti Mm -hmm. and carbs and all that. And then they go out and, and, and run the marathon. They eat that and that, that, brings their blood sugar up and that causes them, gives them the energy they need to do the marathon. Yeah, kind of theoretically. I mean, it depends on what they're pulling from. But yeah, that's a, that's the general concept. So we have to do just the opposite. We just don't want my patients who are not running marathons to carb load. <laughs> and a carb load, if they're following directions, is about I, the size of your fist and it's whole. Right. I tell them, I'm like, you're eating for somebody who's running marathons and I know you're not. <laughs> doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Uh, Amy, we just got a couple of minutes left to... Uh, what, what can you tell our listeners about if they know they've got type 2 diabetes or they haven't checked it or maybe mm-hmm. there's maybe there's some stubborn veterans out there maybe yes. they don't like to go to the doctor? Well, I think if you go and, you know, if you make sure you go to your primary care provider and you get your annual physical, every year you go in, they do your labs, they screen you, determine, you know, what, what your screenings are. Like, do you need your colonoscopy? Do you need your eye exam? They're, I always think of the primary care as the quarterback. They're supposed to kind of coordinate your care and then throw it to the other people, but they do screening and they can really help tell if you've got this. And if so, and we catch it early, we can prevent it. And I'm here to tell everybody, if you start working on it, it's not that hard. And even if you have to take those shots, it's easy. You can. It's you can easy. Adopt it. It's just the first week that was kind of <laughs> Yeah. That was a mental problem. <laughs> we get past that. Well, Amy, uh, Thank you for joining us today. I, I hope we've educated some of our listeners on uh, type 2 diabetes. And, and all I have to do is call the Minneapolis VA if they're already part of the system or talk to their primary care doctor. Yes. And, and they can connect you with you if, if they have issues or need to talk about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That was Amy Stanwood, nurse practitioner from the Minneapolis VA Medical Center on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk with the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to talk with the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Temporary Commissioner Brad Lindsay. County Veterans Service Officers, or CVSOs, are the first stop or first point of contact for veterans and serve as their personal advocate. Navigating the claims process is challenging, and many veterans often don't know the right questions to ask. That's where CVSOs step in and help veterans access the benefits they may be eligible for. CVSOs do important work. They sit across from men and women who have worn the uniform and served their country. Minnesota is really lucky to have such a strong and passionate group of CVSOs. As a state, we have a history of leading the way when it comes to innovation and forward thinking. Thank you to all our CVSOs who day in and day out serve the veterans of this great state. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. 
So I said at the opening, we're going to talk to the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network today. And joining us from that network is Carol Ann Smith. Uh, and Carol Ann has been involved with the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon since 2011 in a number of capacities. Uh, Carol, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Well, thank you so much for having me. Carol Ann, I understand you come from a from a family that uh, served from uh, World War II to, I mean, they've just served and served and served. Yes, actually way back to the American Revolution, <laughs> Civil War, World War One, World War Two, and most recently Iraq. Well, that means you're probably eligible to be part of the Daughters of the Amer- American Revolution. I could be, yes. Okay. Well, with that kind of service in your family, I can see why you might have been interested in getting involved with the Sani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon. Yes. Uh, yes. We're going to take a, just a quick break here, and I want to introduce a, another guest who's a beneficiary of some of the work that you do at Sani County, and that's Adam Skillings. Adam, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tom. I understand you served a number of years with the Minnesota Army National Guard. Correct. Just shy of 12 years. As a heavy equipment operator. I never grew up. <laughs> and still haven't. <laughs> nope. And that led that led to a job uh, running equipment uh, as, as a civilian. Yep, yep. It's transferred right into all the civilian jobs I've had since I got out. And that means serving in the Guard has uh, served you well. Very well. Very good. And uh, you spent your entire career with the 850th Horizontal Engineering Company in Cambridge. And were involved in some floods. Yep, uh, we went out and I would, was part of the flood fight in '09, out in Fargo, uh, and then they did another one two years later, um, and then on top of that, I also did some road, <clears throat> some road work for the border patrol in New Mexico, um, well, along with a tour to Afghanistan. I hope some of that was uh, running machinery instead of filling uh, sandbags. But It was all running equipment. <laughs> that is, I heard you did it right. All right, uh, we're going to come back to you, Adam. Carol Ann, I want to come to you. Uh, I assume because of your military family background, that's why you got involved in Isani County Beyond Their Little Ribbon? Yeah, it is. Um, I was looking for a new volunteer opportunity, and after my father's death, um, I just decided I really wanted to honor his World War II service. It was very important to him. I also had a nephew that was in Iraq, and uh, I just yeah wanted to honor honor them, and so I decided to do my volunteer work with veterans and service members. So how does Isani County Beyond the Ribbon support Minnesota's military community? Oh, so many ways. Um, we provide financial assistance to veterans, service members, and their families, Oh, everything from vehicle repair to utility bills, medical bills, propane tank fills, anything. Uh, we also supply the County Veteran Service Office, sir, and the Soldier Family Readiness Specialist at the Cambridge Armed Forces Center uh, with Cub food cards and Quick Trip gas cards that they can distribute at their discretion whenever there is uh, you know, somebody in immediate need. Uh, we also give out uh, gift cards at Christmas. We send packages to deployed troops. We have handicap ramps that we can um, install at people's homes if they need them. Uh, we have a scholarship program. We give out four $2,500 scholarships each year to veterans or service members or their immediate family. 
Um, we have Friends of the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, which are local businesses, which will give a discount to veterans and service members. We're part of deployment send-offs, uh, family picnics, and holiday parties at the Cambridge Armory. Um, we may um, financially contribute to that party, or we may be there volunteering. It's usually both. And lastly, we really work with our community. We're members of the local Chamber of Commerce. We support the Veterans Day dinners at the local VFWs and American Legion. We participate in silent dismissal at the elementary school, in the military signing day at the high school. We're part of the Pick 'em Up Suicide Prevention Coalition, Operation Homefront. Um, and we have really good relationships with our local VFW, American Legion, and other local organizations. We're speaking with uh, Carol Ann Smith and Adam Skillings uh, about the Sandy County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon on Minnesota Military Radio. Carol Ann, uh, you mentioned $50 gift cards. I assume the county veteran service officers use those for military families might get to the end of the month or the end of the pay period and, and they're a little low on cash and and uh, if they can buy them some milk and bread and eggs or a little bit of gas, uh, Correct. that gets pretty important. Yep, and sometimes I know that the soldier family readiness specialist has said, you know, they can maybe get to drill, but they don't have enough gas to get home. Um, or you're right, just those instant needs, at the, especially at the end of the month. Last year, we spent $14,000 just on those gift cards. Wow, good job. I want to follow up also on you said you sent some gift boxes to the deployed. Have you ever worked with Chuck Haas over in uh, over in uh, Hugo in Washington County on some of those projects? Um, we're certainly aware of Chuck and the wonderful job that they do over um, in that Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network. Um, but, no, we have not worked with him on any of those projects. We are Our mission is very limited to Isani County. And we work within our boundaries and with our local businesses. So the local businesses contribute a lot of those goods that our deployed troops might need when they're uh, over in Africa or Kuwait or, or Cuba, wherever they've been sent? We have the most amazing community. Um, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon has two major fundraisers a year, and the local businessmen just step up with sponsorships and so many items to help us and the veterans. Um, the Snap Fitness in Cambridge and Isani just got done having a collection for the troop boxes. The entire month of November, people could drop off items or cash um, at their um, their units in Cambridge and Isani so that now we have things to send in the Christmas troop boxes. Caroline, you must have a lot of volunteers with all the things you're busy doing. You know, we do. We have an amazing task force. Um, there's probably 100 people on our email list. We've got about 35 people that are, um, you know, the people that come every month and uh, are volunteering every time that there's something something that needs to be done. Um, tonight we're having a committee meeting for our spring fundraiser, which is our dinner dance. And there will, the table will be full. There's always people willing to help. Carol Ann, we just got about a minute left, but I want to ask Adam, uh, you're, you're now a volunteer up there too. Yep, we volunteer when I can. Uh, my work schedule makes it a little tough to make all the meetings, but I'm part of the email group, 
so that way I get informed, and uh, I have been asked to be a big part of the uh, dinner this year as well. So you're going to the meeting tonight? I'm going to make it, yep. Very good. All right, uh, we're going to have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with the Assani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to Carol Ann Smith from the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon and Adam Skillings, who's a volunteer there and uh, spent some time in the Minnesota Army National Guard. Uh, Carol Ann, uh, I understand that we've got a good story here about when uh, you met Ad- Adam, and we're going to go to that right now. Adam, how did you meet Carol Ann, and how did you meet the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon? So the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon was always a big part of the unit. They were always coming in when we drilled it at the armory in Cambridge. But it was uh, 2013, and we were all getting on the bus, getting ready to to deploy to Afghanistan. And my furnace had gone out the night before. The the blower was overheating, and it just would stop working. So every two hours I had to go down, flip the switch off, flip it back on, crawl back into bed, and... So when we were at the armory doing our send-off, like Caroline said, the yellow ribbon was there. So I, my wife and I walked up, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm about to get on this bus, but my furnace is out. Is, is there any way that somebody could go take a look at it for me? We had just purchased the house in November. It was March. Cold. My, it was cold. My you wife had no idea. Alone. My wife had no idea what to do. Um, by the time our plane landed in Texas, and I finally called my wife they had uh, somebody banging in the background working on the furnace getting that uh, blower replaced for us carol ann were you at that deployment ceremony uh yes i was and what did you do that that has to be a sickening feeling for adam He's, he has to go home serve his country and he knows his family's in trouble oh i can only i can only imagine what that felt like um but we heard about it um our, our chair jim rossberg um, was the person that uh, heard about it first, and he quickly gathered all of the board members literally in the parking lot. And, yes, it's March, and it's cold <laughs> outdoors here in Minnesota. And uh, we had a quick discussion in the parking lot. And, of course, we needed to uh, take action on this. And we called uh, one of our Local businessmen who, again, they're one of, they sponsor our golf tournament. They sponsor our dinner dance. They are a friend of the BYR. And we explained the situation to them, and they immediately sent someone else to Adam's home. How compelling is that story? He's just getting on a bus to deploy, and the night before the furnace goes out and his family needs help now. I don't know, I don't know how a local businessman can turn that down. <laughs> So they jumped into action, and what what all had to happen? Uh, Well, it sounded like the uh, circuit board and the blower were just overheating. So it was just an older unit that the blower just needed to get replaced. So they came in, figured out what they needed, sent somebody down back to the shop to get it. And like I said, they had it in, and my furnace was working before the end of the day. Before you even (laughs) got checked in and hit the rack. Right. Um, The other big one that meant a lot more to me was uh, my son was born, um, and he was under a year old, and our air conditioner had actually gone out. So I called the Yellow Ribbon because at 26 years old, uh, there's no way I could afford to pay for a furnace straight out of pocket. 
So I, I called up Jim Rosberg and the Yellow Ribbon just to say, you know, who do you guys work with? Who would would help me out and work with me, do a payment plan or just some way so I could get the house cooled down in July when it's 100 degrees. Um, Jim Rosberg had somebody come out that day or that evening in in the dark, went and started banging on my air conditioner, tried recharging it. He's like, it, fortunately, it's just a 30-year-old air conditioner that's that's dead. Um, so I said, you know, just however we can work it, Jim actually brought out a window air conditioner to help cool my house down while they figured it out. And so about a, three weeks later, I had a brand new air conditioner put in. And between the yellow ribbon and the business they worked with, uh, they didn't let me pay a dime. Well, I got to say a couple of things about you. Good thing you can run heavy equipment, but you're no good with HVAC <laughs> units, <laughs> no. either in cold weather or hot weather. And it's a great thing that the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon was there to help take care of you and your family. Very much. That's a great story. Carol Ann, we just got about a minute left. Anything else you want to say to wrap that up? Well, I just want to say that this is exactly why we exist. This is our mission, to support the veterans, the service members, and their families that live in our county. We are 100% volunteer, and we are 100% funded by donations and grants. So um, if you're interested in us, come to a meeting, learn more about us. There's volunteer opportunities or donate. Um, We have fundraisers. We have fundraisers that are sponsored by our local community. Last year, we spent just over $54,000 to support our local veterans and service members. And so a donation would always be appreciated. So to find more information, they can go to beyondtheyellowribbonisanti.org. Once again, beyondtheyellowribbonisanti.org. You're looking for volunteers and donations, and you're doing a great job up there. And, uh, Carol Ann, thanks for taking care of this uh, Army veteran. Oh, we are so happy to support Adam and his family. And put him to work tonight when he comes to that meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Carol Ann, uh, Adam, thanks for joining us today on Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you for having us. It was Carol Ann Smith and Adam Skillings talking about the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon Network in Isandy County. Joining me now is John Baker, who is the new Executive Director of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers. John, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's, a, it's an absolute honor. Well, I'm hoping we can have you on the show in the future and you can tell us about that new position. But right now I want to talk about your military service. I understand you were in the United States Marine Corps for a while. I uh, I was. I spent uh, several decades plus in, in the Marine Corps and uh, wish all my uh, my brothers and sisters out there a early happy birthday. Well, that's right. That's coming up soon. And and then uh, apparently you served as a professor of criminal justice at St. Cloud State U, and you are a licensed attorney. Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I just retired as a tenured professor at, at St. Cloud State. I spent uh, about the last uh, eight years as a professor there teaching uh, future cops. Uh, before that, I was a, uh, a criminal defense attorney for many years and, uh, and mostly focused on representing veterans. I did a lot of a lot of administrative veterans' preference and that type of thing. And then uh, I'm really proud of uh, uh, the work that I did with uh, my good friend, uh, late Pete Orpid, uh, who was the Washington County attorney. Him and I uh, 
chaired the initiative to start veteran course back in uh, the, about 2008-2009. Really proud of that work that carries on to this day. And we had Pete on the show several times talking about uh, his involvement with the veteran courts, and I salute both of you, and it was a sad day when we lost him way too young. Way too young, absolutely, Tom. He is uh, missed uh, throughout the, the state and the legal community. He was a heck of a prosecutor. And a good man and a good friend. So, John, uh, you're kind of uniquely qualified from your background here in the service, uh, teaching school, licensed attorney involved in veterans courts. Uh, We talk about the county veteran service officers as the gateway to any resources that the veterans might need for any medical problems or issues that involved in the time they spent in in the military service. And uh, it's my understanding that they've been, they created a new role, executive director, and they went out and they were trying to find somebody to fill it. Looks to me like you've got, you kind of fill that, you were, your whole life was uh, meant to be in this position. I I tell you, Tom, I I tell folks I spent 28 days uh, in retirement until they recruited me and I applied for this position. And and I got to say, county veteran service officers, when I first got out of the Marine Corps, uh, came back to my hometown of St. Cloud and and uh, got connected uh, with my uh, VA disability, got into St. Cloud State myself, and it, w- it w- was a county veteran service officer that got me. So I wouldn't be here today where I'm at and everything that I do for veterans now without the help of, of a CVSO. So I feel like I owe this to them to be able to do this. But in their 78-year history, uh, the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers, this association, uh, this is the first time that they've uh, gotten an executive director. And I, and I got to tell you that coming into this role, um, I, I do think I'm uniquely qualified for it. Um, but I will tell you that I am just amazed at the level of professionalism of these men and women that are, are running this association and that are our county veteran service officers around the state. It is a it is a highly uh, well-run organization um, trying to figure out what I can do to, to help them. And, you know, one of the things I did uh, before I was a professor, I also did a lot of uh, 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 working at the, at the state capitol and in Congress, working on veteran issues, and that gets me back with this too. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, uh, work with our legislators and letting them know what, what the position is of, County Veteran Service Officers as as uh, as we go into the legislative session. John, I kind of think of this spot as a warrant officer in, in the service in that the commanders come and go every few years, but the warrant officers stay. They provide continuity in the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers. Someone gets elected to be president, but they're usually there for a year or two at the most. In exactly. this position, you're going to be kind of the glue in the continuity. That, that's what I'm hoping. I, I, I'm a retired gunny in the Marine Corps, so I uh, wasn't quite a warrant officer. So I, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take uh, the, the being the gunny uh, and and kind of kind of gunnies in the Marine Corps run the show. So uh, that's what I'm I'm hoping to do here as well. John, we got about a minute. Can you tell us about the duties? Well, so so uh, uh, legislative duties. You know, welcoming our new county veteran service officers. Uh, getting them trained for their federal accreditation and working with our partners. We've got a great opportunity to do some education for uh, county commissioners here next week up at Camp Ripley. Um, 
And so, you know, it's, it's outreach and educating our county veteran service officers. And, of course, we've talked about that on the show a lot. There's a spring and fall conference, and a lot of that's education so that your county veteran service officers know all the resources available for our veterans. Pretty important stuff. Absolutely, and that's, uh, that's, a, that's a role that I'm happy to take on. I think I'm uh, well-situated uh, with my background in academia and everything else. John, I wish you all the best in this position. I hope we can have you back on the show in the future, and uh, good luck in the new position of Executive Director of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers. You can count on it, Tom, and happy Veterans Day to you. Thank you for your service as well. Thank you. That was John Baker, new Executive Director of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers on Minnesota Military Radio. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Amy Stanwood from the Minneapolis VA Medical Center, Carol Ann Smith and Adam Skillings from the Isani County Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, John Baker, from the, who is the Executive Director of the Minnesota Association of County Veteran Service Officers, Temporary Commissioner Brad Lindsay from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we talk about the 133rd Air, Airlift Wing, about their new C-130Js, and learn about the DEIA at the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at Minnesota. Go to militaryradio.com.